those people that you reach out to and you're like, hey, like you're important to me and I miss you and I'm sorry that I can't be around as much, they need to understand and respect that and understand that just because you can't physically be there doesn't mean that you're not still their friend. And I think that's important. Welcome everyone to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? again live with the ultimate shift for part two with ab because we didn't quite get to cover everything actually we didn't even cover half the questions in part no. so and I'm, i just have to say i really am enjoying this where you're you're kind of like you said driving the car and for the first time since i've started this podcast 26 episodes in now i get to kind of sit back and just this be is, surprised. This is, this is great. This is I like this. I like this a lot. Maybe we need to talk about having AB be the co-host of the show. Hey, I'm here for it. There's a lot of my followers that are wanting me to have a podcast, and I'm open to the idea. I started looking into it, but and you know, like an episode a week. That take, I don't think people realize the amount of time it takes to create content. It takes a lot of time. I mean, even like the short videos that I post take. About an hour. Granted, I don't post that much because I'm too lazy. But that's a, you post a lot, though. That's a, you spend a lot more time on social media than I do. And I just know for me, if it wasn't for the team of people that help with this show, there's no way it would be anyway come close to being possible. I just do have to throw in this clip note on this episode. Anything that is said can and cannot be held against us because <laughs> I'm on my second drink and of course AB is Me not. Me too and we ran Are out of mixers. Okay, yes. well, there you go. Anyway, but it's been a great discussion. I've really enjoyed it so far. So we're going to dive into part two and fire away with the questions because you have the questions. Yes. So um, if you are catching up. Also, we promised us to talk about your ex. Yes. Oh, your ex too, <laughs> Ephraim. I'm not going down alone. So, we, so we'll, we'll, try, we'll try to wrap that into this hour as well. Oh my God, there's going to be episodes like part six by the time we're done. Mm -hmm. So um, how this all started is that if you're just catching up, I had uh, some of my followers ask some questions that they wanted a male perspective on. And so we're going to wrap that up. But then the heaviest question that I received, it was um, almost 70% of the questions were, the followers were wanting Ephraim and I to talk about our exes, so we're on our second drink. And we'll is, do that on the end. And we'll do that on the end. <laughs> the end, because so, we have a time limit, so we can't talk more than we should. Yeah, we have we have about an hour to go. Oh my gosh. Okay, so wrapping up the questions, someone asked, "How do you handle your friendships when you're so career driven, and is it lonely at the top?" I don't think we're at the top, but maybe no. at the top of our game. I mean, I like to tell myself that I'm in, at the top of my competitor field. Um, whether or not that's true is debatable. Uh, that being said, I, I do think that you sacrifice relationships to an extent. Uh, by relationships, I don't mean love relationships. I mean friends and family. And there are t for me, it doesn't get lonely because 
I love what I do, and I, not everyone can say that. And mm -hmm. I didn't fall into my career. I didn't get into my career thinking this is what I want to do. My career came to me as an opportunity, which I think is actually important to put a side note in to say sometimes the greatest things that come along in your life come as opportunities that you overlook because you don't think they fit into your box. And yeah. for me, this career that I'm in opened up so many doors for me and it wasn't a popular one that I thought I always wanted to get into. But anyway, that being said, it doesn't really get lonely for me. I travel a lot. There's nights on the road or on a plane or this and that that I sometimes think, you know, I miss my friends. I miss this or that person I miss. And I will always get on my phone and text them and tell them. Mm -hmm. And then we try to get together when I'm in town. But it's, it's hard because I've definitely sacrificed friendships where my friends will be like, hey, do you want to go on a boat on Saturday? And I'm like, no, I'm working because my competitors aren't and I'm going to go work so I can you keep their ass. You literally sent me that text message. Yep. You yeah. sent me that exact verbiage where I was like, hey, from I finally have a day off. And you're like, you know what? I wish I could, but my competitors aren't working, so I'm going to. Even though I was really sad. I respected the hell out of you because you're my drinking buddy. But I respected the hell out of you. I was like, you know what? I cannot be mad at Ephraim for not only telling me that he couldn't hang out with me because he had things to do, but because he was growing and working towards something that a lot of people were taking time off for. Like, you can't be upset about that. And I think a lot of people misunderstand that concept. For sure. It's... It's just for me, it's not that, that I, you know, I just want to put myself in a place where in my life, in my career, that when I'm 40 years old or 45 years old or 50, I know I'll always work. I'll never retire. But if I want to take a month off, I can. And so I just believe fully into doing what you love and making some sacrifices as long as you're not killing your family, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. Well, and we do not want homicide charges. Yeah, no, we do not want that. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, I mean, you make some sacrifices for, for the greater good, hopefully for the greater good. That being said, uh, I'm not a very materialistic kind of guy. So, you know, I, I value relationships and I value friendships. And if, again, coming back to communication, I think it's, it's all about communicating. And, mm -hmm. and when I think about someone during those times, I will reach out and tell them. And even if I can't be there in person, I've often found that it means a lot to people when I just text them and say, hey, I miss you. Yeah. And that so. just because you can't be there physically doesn't mean that you can't still express your, even if it's just like a platonic friendship. Yeah. You cannot express your love for someone because those friendships are there because you actually care for that person. And the first episode that I was on with Ultimate Shift with Ephraim, I talked about a friend, my very best friend in the world, who I ended up having to cut ties off with because they did not understand that I was career driven. I wasn't, I'm still not boy crazy. I am man crazy. But I just, like, I had things that I was doing. And the thing I want to add to what you're saying, Ephraim, is that those people that you reach out to and you're like, hey, like you're important to me and I miss you and I'm sorry that I can't be around as much, they need to understand and respect that and understand that just because you can't physically be there doesn't mean that you're not still their friend. And I think that's important. If they are good friends, real friends, they'll understand it. Yeah, and if they don't, 
listen, sis, they're not your friend. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're Amen. going back home, are we? <laughs> um, so. <laughs> We're going back home. <laughs> Let's not go back, okay? Okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> Off topic, different question. What is the first thing you or men in general notice about the opposite sex? <laughs> and I can't say that. Yes, you can. You're talking to me. You can say okay, literally okay. anything. I get this question a lot. Uh, I get laughed at a lot. Is is this real? Like, what is the first question that that men? That, well, like the first thing I can you only notice? speak for myself. So you're asking a question. What is the first thing that I notice about the opposite sex? Mm -hmm. Just as it's said. Like, if you were at a bar. And you're there with your group of friends, and you see a girl or a woman on the other side of the bar. What's the first thing you notice about her? The first thing that I would notice about her is if she's fake or not. Like plastic. Big lips, fake. Eyelashes are the biggest thing, but it's it's for. And I, by the way, for every listener out there, I've never, ever, ever, ever have I ever heard a guy say, "I like a big injected lip." On yeah. Women. And I've just, just my friend uh, Brandon and I went for coffee this morning and literally he brought that topic up. The first thing that I personally notice is that, is like how fake are they? How, if, if they have so much makeup on or if they have a lot of plastic surgery done or whatever, the rest doesn't matter because I'm not even going to approach that. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, I, I want someone real for me. I don't care if you have wrinkles, I, I just want you to be real. And you want them to be authentic yes, in their authentic full and real. self. Yes. Yeah, uh, and I think that's hard to come by because there's a lot of pressure being put on women. Yeah. Like for me, I mean, I haven't had Botox lately because of COVID, but I get shit done. Well, there's a difference in Botox and then blowing your lip up twice the size. Yeah, of Kim Kardashian to. ruined that for us. Yeah. Well, you know, guys don't like that. No, that, I think it's a, a glamorized thing. Whenever it comes to celebrities and models, there's so like there's such a negative stigma on the way that women are supposed to look. Yeah. That sometimes us common folk exaggerate it. And I can see that. For me, the first thing I notice is somebody's shoes. Shoes? Really? Tells a lot about a person. I, I will say I, I am a sucker for booties on girls. Yeah. I don't know why. Don't know why. It's that it tells a lot about someone mm -hmm. especially in men so ladies write this down if a man is wearing work boots you know that he has a tough job if he's wearing loafers he's probably got a very expensive career or he's a fuck boy <laughs> he's wearing sperry's run like there's things that you can pick up on oh, the style of shoe and that's something that i immediately look like like look at what does my shoe say about me i love your shoes today what did what they say about me? I actually kind of have a pair, kind of like them. But mine have heels. Mine are just like that, but with heels. So those shoes, so obviously because you guys can't see, leather sneaker with a white sole. And they have like a, what do you call those things? Grand Voyage, baby, all day long. Like the, 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 the shoe things, that, well, how do you tie your shoe with laces? I don't have to tie them. They, they, but they, have, they are laced and they do have a Velcro, I'm assuming they'll go wrap around ankle strap. So actually, they look not, expensive. They might not be, but they look expensive. That's but actually not a Velcro. It's just, a, it? it's just, a, it's just, it's a, just there. Yeah. 
Oh, that's how a lot of my last sexual encounters were. They were just there. <laughs> so, Grand Voyage, not that they pay us on this podcast, but they are my favorite, favorite shoe outside of outside of my my work if i'm if i'm ever doing anything i reward myself for certain levels of business i get to if that tells you anything about them i buy a pair i have four pairs to date well those shoes to me if i were to see you from across the room at the bar i would be like you know what he's stylish he's casual but he knows his shit Okay, I'll take Because they're clean, that. and you do, like, that shows me that they're either A, new, or B, you take care of things that require a little bit of work, and women are not afraid of that. Okay, cool. I can live with that. So, another question. I'm going to scroll down because we've kind of touched on some of these. So, this is a big one, and this is one that I really want to know myself because I get a lot of hate comments on this, and it does, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't bother me, but it it kind of makes me think are you attracted to independent women or does that intimidate you so I think again we're talking about the difference in in what I call men and boys Um, so for me I'm very attracted to women who have a career who have their life and I will just say this to all the ladies listening is I like to pay for dates Mm -hmm. but when you go on a date and the girl, woman, whatever, offers to pay and wants to pay, that's really, really attractive to me. That that actually goes a long, long way for any guy. I've heard multiple guys talk about Will this. Will you let her pay? Usually not, but uh, I will say in the last relationship I was at, which is with the same girl that I, we spoke about in the last episode, mm-hmm. so if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it, she was very adamant about it, and she had her own career. And so we, every once in a while, she was very crafty with it. So for instance, one time we were at dinner with our friends and I'm like, hey, I'll take the check. And the guy said, oh, well, she already paid it. So she had made the excuse, I'm going to the bathroom. She That's a baller move. Yeah. So, but I respect that a lot. And it's not that I don't, I need them to pay, but it's, and I've, I've heard so many guys talk about this. So guys in general respect a woman that that has the class, that has the that has the career that she cares about. Nobody wants a suck on. No, just someone that's leech, just sucking on you, a leech or someone. That, and so I think that that's a big thing. And so for me, I'm not at all um, intimidated by, by women that have their career together, that have their life together, that know what they want. Actually, I much prefer that, and it comes across very clearly. I would know that about you in the first 10 minutes of me meeting you. Yeah, it's, it's um, for me, for example, I take a lot of pride in whenever I walk into a room, I want people to know that I'm confident, like I'm confident as shit, and I have my things together, and I am career-driven. And that I think that is a personality that you pick up easily on. And I think that's what you mean by whenever you can pick up on that within the first 10 minutes because there is a a difference. It's a a subconscious thing. Mm -hmm. Your subconscious catches on quicker than you do mentally. Yeah, and it's something that it took me a long time to get to that point because I've not always been this way. But now, like, it is just natural for me to make sure that I come across that way because I truly believe that I am that confident and career-driven woman. And people pick up on that. So if you don't believe it in yourself, then nobody's going to believe it in you. For sure. 
for sure, for sure. So what do you say about people who, because I, I do get a lot of trolls, and I read every comment. <laughs> I shouldn't, but I do, because it makes me want to be a better creator, is what do you have to say or what is your opinion on the trolls that are like, you know, someone who is a woman who is independent and confident and has their shit together. You seem very insecure. Good luck finding a man. You're going to be alone forever. And those comments sometimes keep me up at night because I'm like, maybe the way I'm coming across is too confident. Is there is there a line? No, I don't think so. Because the day that you say I'm too confident is the day you give up on yourself. Yeah. And. I always think back to one of my therapists, and I've had I've had a few. He's he told me one time he said, whether someone tells you you did something great or you did something bad, it's the same thing, and it's absolutely irrelevant to you. That's mm -hmm. because of them. That's mm -hmm. not because of you. And so I that really stuck with me. And so whether when someone hates on me, and I get I get plenty of it. Because you're never going to relate to everyone, and I understand that. And some people are just trolls that just don't have anything better to do. Don't you think they... I have a hard time my head around that. Yeah. But, but it, it's just... It, it says... All I think about it, it says more about you than it does me. And so when you say, oh my God, Ephraim, you're the best thing ever. Or Ephraim, you're just a piece of shit. I can't stand to be around you. It really doesn't affect... One doesn't affect me more than the other. Mm -hmm. it, because I realize either way, it's about them, mm -hmm. and it's not about me. And that's one thing I've just really stuck to over the years, and it's helped me a lot with haters and trolls. And um, So I just don't pay much attention to it. That's, and it doesn't yeah. mean it doesn't get to you sometimes. Because mm -hmm. uh, it certainly does. It's something that I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, we're, at the end of the day, we're all human, mm -hmm. and we all have bad days. And when you have a bad day and someone, and then you go on your comments or something, and someone sends something mean or negative... You still feel. Mm -hmm. So we're not robots. Yeah, and we're not going to give them that gratification either because I do get my fair share of trolls. And sometimes they make me laugh, but sometimes, like, they genuinely, like, if you get enough of the same comment, it makes you question things. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of ten, mine is from some old man named Kevin wearing a pair of khakis that <laughs> tells me to go fall off the cliff. And I'm like, you know, it, it does get to you, but I think. For me especially, and I know for a lot of my followers who are in the same position as me, it's comforting to know that it's okay yeah. to be a confident, independent woman who has their shit together. Because I think back in the day especially, it's very frowned upon. Yeah. And uh, so with older men, you're probably going to get that a lot more. Yeah. I just... There's no happy medium. It's either you're dating a fuckboy or you're dating an old man. There is. You're just looking in the wrong places. Hmm. So, I, by the way, on that note, I'm a big believer in that the person that's right for you, there's a lot of them. You just hmm. have to put yourself in the position to where they are. And that oftentimes means changing your inner circle. This has been the hardest lesson, and you have helped teach me this lesson is that sometimes it's okay if your circle changes into a different shape and it's okay if there's not that many people because it's more about the quality than it is the quantity. And that has been the hardest lesson I've had to learn to date. And I credit you 100% for that because it has been hard and it's not fun. It's and not sometimes fun. it is really lonely. Yeah. But I would rather have 
two or three quality people in my corner than a couple people who are just wanting to be in my business. The best thing about having the real friends is when you have the bad day, I have a list of people that I can call or yeah. text. And it's not that they're going to say, oh, you're, from, you're great. It's they're that they're going to say, what are you really feeling? Mm-hmm. Why are you feeling that way? Let's talk about this. They're not going to coddle you, that, you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's what, that's what the great inner circle does. Mm-hmm. So the older have... I get, the smaller my circle gets. I know. It's like we're aging with like a fine wine. Like a except fine wine. you're aging a little stronger. Stronger than me. <laughs> got the silver hair. It's okay. White Y'all, hair. if you've not seen Ephraim, he is quite a looker. He has the salt and pepper that's oh, perfect. He is. So you spoke about therapy. And this was one of our questions is how do you take care of your mental health? Therapist. I, I am a firm believer, of course, again, you know, I had to at one point or another in my life walk away from everything I know mm-hmm. and everything. And I, so at that point, you're saying, well, what is right and what is wrong? And when you're in that position, it gets really scary. So I relied heavily on, upon therapists to help me navigate those channels. Uh, different aspects of life because life changes as you grow older you have different things you have different feelings you have different just everything changes and so I'm I'm a big big believer in therapists I think there's a negative stigma around it because I remember growing up it was like oh you have to go to therapy like what's wrong with you that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you but sometimes it's it's more comforting to have a third party Mm -hmm. hear you because they're not so that's close that's not boss and they're not so close to the situation mm-hmm. where they'll give you a different perspective and it can be done with mentors you you can find a mentor and a therapist can be two can be along yeah. the same line i have had three different therapists in my life and i've had multiple countless mentors that i still mm-hmm. have and i think mentors sometimes if you find the right mentor they can help you as much as a therapist mm-hmm. because a lot of times that's associated to business, but sometimes it's not. If you find a good mentor, it will it will branch out of business. It'll become more personal yeah. as you go. For me, I think uh, more often than not, people reach out to me for advice, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. But there's only so much a mentor can give you. Yeah. Sometimes you need someone who has literally, this is what they do for their job. Yeah, they, they have training in how to get deeper, how to get to the root. And how to help you understand what you're feeling and how you're feeling. And they yeah. won't they will not give you the right answer, but they'll help you figure out a journey to get like a path to get there. Yeah. There's no negative stigma about that. Go schedule an appointment with a therapist if you don't have one. Amen. Um last question before we get to into everything that <laughs> everyone is wanting to know. Do you feel anxious? I feel anxious. I'm all good. Oh, okay. Well, good for you, Ephraim. <laughs> I'm okay. Like, I don't feel anxious about talking about our past relationships, but... I mean, I don't feel anxious because my ex has literally... does not even know if I'm alive or not, but... Yeah, it's, a, it's a it's a... Yeah, it does. I don't, I don't think so. I do. I, it's a, it's a soft spot for me. It's something that I've completely... To every listener out there, if you think your ex doesn't check up on you periodically, you're wrong. Okay. Um, It's human nature. Ooh. I don't know. I think he's distracted. Um, okay. Two more questions. 
at said point, but we're going to do two. What's your biggest insecurity? The biggest insecurity I have is that everything that I've worked for will be taken. So, and I, and I, I think that's just human. What do you mean by taken? That I'll lose it. In what way? That I won't be good enough to hold up the fort, basically. I that's guess. bullshit, Ephraim. You know um, it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but it's it's. I think that's part of human nature is to think. And there is a, a feeling of scarcity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not something that haunts me. It's not something I think about every day. Um, I have created a life to where I feel like I'm never going to end up where I started from. But that being said, there's so many things in life that are outside of our our control, and so some things are just. You know what? You know what? That's probably a cop out. My biggest insecurity. If I'm going to be really honest, and this is what I ask of people, so I'm going to be really honest. My biggest insecurity is that I'm not good enough. Agreed. I think everyone feels that a little bit, but it takes a big person to admit that that's your insecurity. Yeah, that's my insecurity. Is that whether it's in a relationship or whether it's, it's in a crowd or whether it's anywhere that I'm not good enough. Do you think that stems from the way you were brought up? 1,000%. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I, that's we were taught again, kind of like what you said about you know, I'm, what what was the language you used about the the girl being seen but not heard. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, that's how a lot how I was raised is like you you go do your thing, but you don't you're you shouldn't be seen, you shouldn't be pride pride for anything. And I think that I have a lot of pride in what I built, and not as a bad pride, but as a pride in like I did this. You with God's favor on yeah. my life. I'm not naive to think that I did it myself, but I have a great mm-hmm. team of people. I like to think that I've invested in myself enough to learn some leadership traits that I can continue working on. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the number one thing that I write in my journal every single day is I am enough. Do you have an I am journal? No, I write you... in a physical book. Well, this is a physical book. Oh, it's I called the I am journal. No, I have I one. Get no, I go get no pads at Dollar General because I'm a cheap, cheapy, and I'm. Y'all, right. I'm not a cheapy. So. I have a very champagne taste. But you <laughs> can do this. I a five-minute journal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for me because it didn't have enough space for me to write. So I mm-hmm. just go get blank notebooks and I write a whole page. And the one thing I write over and over and over is I'm enough, and that tells me that there's a part of me that doesn't believe that I am enough, and that's my biggest insecurity. That like go that translates back to study habits because I studied study habits rather than studying what I needed to be studying that day and it's a see it say it do it so not only are you writing it down and you're seeing it but you're saying it even though it's subconsciously to yourself Mm -hmm. and then that provokes you to actually do it yeah agree so I have an I am journal and it's in my desk drawer because we have like hidden desk drawers. This is a book that's just called I Am It's called journal. the I Am Journal. And it's dated. It's blank. It's blank. And so you write in it. But it has, I mean, essentially it's just got things in there to provoke you to write things down. So three things. You don't have to invest in this I Am Journal. You could literally be like Ephraim and... Be a cheapie. Yeah, I mean, it works the same. Like, it's the same thing. It's just that I felt the need to be bougie one day, (laughs) which is every day. Um, But it's like three things that you're grateful for. And you do this twice a day. You do it every morning and every night. Three things you're grateful for. Three things that you want. 
and three things that you're going to do to help get you there. What are three things you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my heartbreak, which is hard to say because it still saddens me to this day. But I wouldn't be here if it weren't for that. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my courage that my family has given me. It took them a while to be supportive, but I'm grateful for my courage. And I'm grateful for my circle. And it's a new circle, but it's pretty damn good. And I'm grateful for that because I have my own set of cheerleaders in my parade of people. And that means everything. Spence, you and a couple of my girlfriends, literally, I don't think I would survive without you. We need to get Spence on one of your I know, three, three person. He's my favorite pizza guy. Spence is like one of my favorite people, period. Isn't he like the Bob Goff of our generation? Yes. I, well, I told I, you I, that. I ordered five shirts from him. Mm -hmm. and you know what I get from him? What? Five shirts, a letter, mm -hmm. a coffee mug, and just over and beyond. And that's what Spence Sheldon is, ladies and gentlemen. Donato's Pizza in Bowling Green, Kentucky. You've got to go. He is my out. favorite. It, honestly, Spence, I went to his house a week after my breakup. And he hugged me. And he let me cry, and he was like, okay, we're going to fix it. We're going to move on. And I'm like, okie dokie. So we sat at the pool with his mom and dad in the living room, and he just let me talk. And honestly, I do not think I would be here if it were not for him. If you haven't listened to Spin's episode or you don't follow him on social media, you should. Yeah. Because he is life-changing and literally one of my best friends. He's a, he's a great human being. He has uh, that. He started this thing called Almost Home that mm -hmm. benefits homeless people. Mm -hmm. uh, they sell shirts, amazing shirts and clothing and things like that. So check out Almost Home. Yeah, you can find that on my Instagram. And because all of the shirts that are purchased through my Instagram actually are going towards people who are getting out of prison. Wow. On top of people who are homeless and Spence is donating a lot of that money to making sure the people that are coming out of prison have clothes to wear. Because if you think about it, if you're in a jumpsuit for so many years or in gray sweatpants so many years, you're not going to be in the same clothes that you walked and into. And the world has changed. And the world has changed. Mm -hmm. So he's, I mean, I've never met a heart like him. And he's 27 years old. I know. Incredible human being. Okay. okay. So Any more questions? I think that's it. That's it? That's the last question? There's more, but we've touched on them already. Okay. They're just All worded right. differently. Do you want to go into those that are worded differently, or do we have to talk about this? <laughs> Dive in. Y'all, Ephraim promised me a steak dinner if I talked about this. <laughs> Let's go. He's laughing at me, and I... I'm, I am laughing. Okay. All right. All right. All after pulled back. So, we. what's the question... That seventy-two percent of your viewers wanted to know. They, I asked, <clears throat> do you want to know more about our hustle or our heart? My hustle, my heart. Our hustle, our heart. Do you want us to talk about our exes, like you and I, or me on my platform, or how the followers can get over their exes? And it was almost like a three-to-one ratio. They want to hear our side. Well, so okay, so. Just to address people getting over their exes, the best way to get over your ex is finding something that you love to do and keep doing it. 100%. Yeah, that's all there is to it. And it's easier said than done. 
but everything takes time. Getting over an ex takes time. It's not something that you can fix in a day. It's not something you can fix in a month. Just be okay with the grieving process. And, and in the meantime, for me, something that takes me outside of everything else in my life is fly fishing. Find that thing and go do it. Also running, even running. And running, yes, yeah, running. I still have yet to figure out any of these things, but I'm researching y'all. Do you know what? Now that we're talking about this, do you know when that click light switch went off in my head where I was okay with losing my ex? Tell me, because I don't know if I've completely gotten there yet. Mile eight. Like Eminem? Mile eight. Running. Eight miles, the movie. Right. No, running. So prior to losing the person who I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with was I had never run more than two months. Mm -hmm. And so I, I did this thing one night, 10 o'clock at night, and I, I couldn't sleep. And, and this was probably three months after the breakup-ish. And so, and I was like, I have got to do something to break past this mental state, to break past this mental capacity that my brain is giving me and so i get up and in a, in a weird way i think that you know what it's dark outside it was november sometime in november it's cold i'm like i'm gonna put on black pants black hoodie where no one can see me because ironically part of me felt like if i'm invisible i'll be okay and i start running and i start i keep running and i keep running and my brain's telling me you no, you're done you're done and i'm like no i'm not no i'm not no i'm not fucking done i kept shouting this as i'm running the streets of nashville so people saw you in an all black suit saying i'm not fucking done i don't think running through nashville y'all yeah, typically if you ever see someone like that if it's not Ephraim, <laughs> they have just committed a crime probably so so and yeah, yeah. I know well, that, no. that speaks to how much your mind plays over your body. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so I take that back. It wasn't mile eight, it was probably mile three and a half. I ended mm -hmm. up running eight miles that night mm -hmm. and everything changed because mm -hmm. that night I broke through the mental state that I had where my brain was saying, You're done, where my brain was controlling my body and mm -hmm. I said, No, you're not. I'm controlling you. I tell myself when I'm gonna quit and I Bald for about four miles out of the eight mile run, I was bawling my eyes out. Mm -hmm. But that was just that was just the way I dealt with it. That was my way of dealing with it, of releasing it all. Mm -hmm. And so that's what running does for me. That's that's it's not always that it's never been that emotional sense, but it's it's that place I can go to where if the world wants to f with me, you can say fuck. Yeah, it's my favorite f word. If the world wants to fuck with me. I can get rid of it, mm -hmm. I can get rid of the world, I can get rid of everything else by me in my own headspace running and it's just me against my brain. It's like me you're in your own brain. void. Yeah. My brain's saying, you, you've had enough, I'm saying no I don't. It's, it's me competing against myself. See, this is the difference between you and I, Ephraim, because that's how you get through things and I get through things by drinking. This is why we could <laughs> never be together. But I'm you also make me, I know, but it makes me funny. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Alcohol for me is a depressant. And so, yes, it helps for a time, but then it always makes it worse. I used to be an avid runner. My mom runs tri like triathlons. Really? Yes. That's cool. If you see any person running through our hometown, it is my mom. Yeah? Because she is crazy. 
like that. <laughs> and so she does like triathlons and stuff. And whenever I was going through my breakup, that's what I did is I ran and I rode. Like I would row kind of like you until I cried. And then I would row some more. On the row machine. On the rower. I would just, mm-hmm. I would be the only one in the gym on the mm-hmm. rower because nobody wants to do it. It's a full body workout, by the way. Yeah. And I would cry and I would be sitting there sobbing and listening to Notorious B.I.G. and rowing. And it's because I felt like, it wasn't like a sense of I need to punish myself, but I'm, it was allowing me to fully feel. It's overcoming what's in front of you. Yes, even though you're seated for me. Yeah, yeah, but it's still, it, it's the same thing. It's, 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 it's a, mental. It's a it's mental It's overcoming thing. your mental your mental obstacles. So mm-hmm. prior to, to, for me, it was my obstacles were I can't run more than two miles. Mm-hmm. Well, when you can crush that, what else can you crush? Mm-hmm. When you can tell your mind to shut up at two miles, what else can you tell your mind to shut up at? You can also learn. It's, it's I believe that success and fitness and everything that goes with that is no different because all of it is telling your mind to shut up mm-hmm. and you're overcoming that. So no matter how you do that, whether it's through rowing or running or, or lifting weights or boxing, it's all just telling your mind to shut up and, and you taking control mm-hmm. of your situation because most of the time it's our mind saying, you're not going to be okay. When in reality, we, we are going to be okay. And not only are we going to be okay, we're going to be better off. Do you think that you're better off now that you're... For sure. I agree. So, I, by the way, me, you asked me... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Finish what you're saying. No, no, no. I want to know what you're going to say. You asked me, would I go back to my ex? Mm-hmm. So, would I go back to what we had? No. Mm, agree. everything that I have learned, if that person has learned the same and you can create something new out of all your experiences, then it could be a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. thing. But like, but that's being said, there's so much, I'm not the same person. I wouldn't want my you, mindset. They would not be getting the same person back right, in return. Exactly. And it's, it's almost like would, the question was, would you take them back? It'd be like, yes, because I'm giving them a better version of myself that they deserve. And that means yeah. that you actually felt love for that person. And I think that's where that, like the line for that question is drawn mm-hmm. is, would I go back to my exes that I didn't really feel love for? Probably not. Because even the best, like the best version of myself wouldn't be good enough right. for me or for them. But for the person that I loved, I, I would take them back because they're, I love them enough to know that they're getting a version of me that is but the best. But only if they have also learned the same things. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're putting, your, you're putting yourself out of what you've learned and back into the rut, which is what people do sometimes, and then they end up breaking up again and again and mm-hmm. again and wasting time. Whenever my ex and I, we'll call him John. Okay. Whenever we broke up, a friend of mine or at the time was going to school to be a counselor. And so I was like her proxy patient for a while. And I'm so thankful for her. But one thing we talked about and that I researched heavily was how often do exes get back together? And I got the worst fucking answer was 50%. No, I really? Mm-hmm. So I was like, that gives me nothing. Statistically across Statistically the board. Statistically across the board, whether you were married Regardless of how long you were in a relationship or how serious it was, it was 50%. What is the driving factor, though? Did it tell you? I think it was more of, like, comfort. 
And I think it was... Which isn't the right reason. No. It's never the right reason. But it's like you see somebody who you were with that they're now fulfilling everything they wanted to do. They're now confident. They're now self-sufficient. They have their shit together. And you're like, okay, well, I still love this person. Why don't we try it again? And I'm not in the 50% that's positive. My... X has not spoken to me since the day we broken up. I will be honest and say that I have reached out a few times whenever we were trying to get all my stuff out of our house. It still didn't say anything to me. So I, I don't fall into the positive 50%, but it, there... Couple, Why do you think that love is still there? Honestly, I think that's the only time I've ever been in love. I've been... It's not, but is it really love? If it didn't work. For me, it was. Okay. For me. So here's how it went. So if you listen to the last episode, you know that I was with somebody within a four-year period. We were together. I It was a long-distance relationship. And I moved for this person that dumped me. And that's how I ended up meeting my recent ex that we're calling John. And... A mutual friend brought John and I together, and it was the best damn thing I've ever done in my life. Um, I still vividly remember whenever he picked me up for our first date. Um, I know. So, what was it like? What was the first date like that made that made it so special that you vividly remember it today? So, I just moved into the house that I had got for Doctor Guy and I. Um, we had broken up. We'd been broken up for a while. I just moved into the house. I was in a giant three-bedroom, two-bath house with Arlo. And there were still boxes everywhere. So our mutual friend matched us up. And he messaged me on Instagram. And I remember being in the shower when he messaged me and was like, Hey, um, our friend Kayla, we'll call her, said that I needed to meet you. And I think we were at a wedding together and didn't realize it. Were you this girl in the pink dress that was dancing? I was like, hell yeah, it was me. That was 100% me. And he was like, well, I'd love to take you out for dinner. So I was like, okay, I just moved into this house. Come by. And so my front door was a giant glass window. And I remember him coming in. He was peeking through the window. And I let him in. I still wasn't ready yet because he was punctual and I was not. And he was like, you know what? You're not ready yet, but you're still the most beautiful person I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, do you need help moving some of these boxes? I was like, this is the first date. But yeah, if you wouldn't care to move some of this bigger stuff into the guest bedroom, that would help me a lot. So he did. And we went out to dinner. And he told me that he was intimidated by me because I was independent and career-driven. But he loved that. And two weeks after we went on our first date, he told me he loved me. Two weeks? Two weeks. And I remember standing there, and I said, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I know it's soon. He didn't date a lot. Mm -hmm. He's like, I know it's soon, but I know you're the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And I love you. Like, you're everything I wanted. And I moved in a month later. So it was really fast. Sometimes the flames that burn the brightest go out the quickest. And I've learned that. But I moved in, and 
For so me, so you not only were together four years, you were practically living. No, together this is a different years. person. Okay, okay. So I was dating the med, like the doctor guy for four years. He gotcha. dumped me. Okay. And then the first person, or not the first person, but one of the first people that I went on a date with after the fact, because I was just pissed off at that point. Mm-hmm. And our friend Kayla was like, "I want you to meet John. He's a good guy." And Kayla and I were friends all through college. I'm like, you know what, whatever, I don't care, fine. And we were inseparable. Like I had never, like even with the doctor guy that I was with for four years, I had never felt that way with him. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just because this was immediately after that relationship ended, but it was because this person was the exact counterpart of me. And to this day, and I'm probably going to like ruin every potential day I ever have, but to this day, I'm still not over him. And I think that will be that one person that I will never lose love for. But I think everyone has that person. And it sucks. It is awful. But it's also your greatest teacher. Yeah, it has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. So he told me he loved me, which meant a lot for me because he wasn't a very emotional person. But he and I were on the same like career path or not path exactly we were in two different careers but we were on the same level of independence and drive that his family and my family from such a small town convinced me that i needed to move in with him he ended up leaving me instead and that was the one of the worst days because at this point you were living together We'd been living together for about six months. Okay. And um, we had someone who also lived with us. Um, He was one of John's employees. John was very well-to-do, but he was humble as hell. And money is not something we talked about, and he told me that that's something he admired about me because I didn't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. But one of his employees lived with us on the weekends, and I went to church every Sunday because John was usually working. And so every Saturday or Sunday, I would make all of us waffles. And we had just had a charity gala the night before. And we had been fighting about John's partying because he likes to party. But that gala, gala, whatever you want to call it, was the most fun we had had in a long time because we both loved to dance. We both loved music. It was amazing. And the next morning, I was making us waffles like I always do, and he walked in. And if this motherfucker did not say, I'm so, I'm still mad about it to this day. And I think that's why I haven't gotten over it, is he looked at me as I'm making our waffles for all of us and said, I think you're wife material, but not girlfriend material. Wow. If my heart did not sink. And I was like, I just moved in. I just sold all my furniture. Like, what's going on? And he was like, I promised myself I would party the rest of my 20s. What? Uh-huh. I, Ephraim, I tell you, I shattered into a million pieces that day. And he was like, I promised myself I would party the rest of my 20s, and I don't want to be tied down anymore. I hope we cross paths again one day. I moved out that day. Wow is the word. And I think that's why I've never gotten over it. But think about if someone told you that today, that you didn't know. I would punch them. That's your get over it? 
I mean, it, it, it completely left me distraught. And I had to move into my own apartment by myself. He but helped for 10 minutes. He moved a dresser in. That's not to take away from all the emotion and everything, but I mm -hmm. think that's what you need to focus on is how childish that moment was. I promised myself I would party the rest of my 20s. Granted, prior to our first episode on the show, we had not even ran into each other in like 11 years. Mm -hmm. You would never put up with that. No. So that's what you need to focus on in order to remove this because you're still thinking of him as someone that he's not. Mm -hmm. So what makes this worse for me, and this is something that I have not talked about ever, I was going through some very traumatic things at that time that I'm still, two years late, three years later, not ready to talk about. You, you mentioned it to me before. But I was going through some stuff, and John convinced me that even though I was going through some trauma, he still loved me anyway, and that he would be with me and he would help me. So he, like, he introduced me to my doctor now, who I love more than anything, but this guy, John, broke up with me right before I had my first appointment. Wow. He, so it's almost like he promised to be there, but then he wasn't there when you actually he took that step. He convinced me that I was worth worth loving but in my most... you get vulnerable, he leaves. Immediately. And I had a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of trauma. There was shit that I was going through, but he made me feel like it was okay. And wow. then fucking left. Yeah. As soon as I believed him. And I think that's why I haven't been able to get over it. I think that's what prevented has prevented me from leaving the town that I'm in. That's closure that I've never received. Have you ever written him a letter that you didn't send? I video journaled about him a lot. So my advice to that, the way that I got over it, every single hard time X, if you will, whatever, I wrote them letters. I wrote my one, I wrote seven letters that I never sent. You never sent them? Never sent them. But what it does is it gets it out of your head. And it's almost like you told them, even though you didn't tell them, and then you can just move on. That is something that I probably need to do, but I, because I've been so busy, because he left me right when I was about to start the job that I'm in now. And you've had multiple promotions since, and mm -hmm. which is and increases the business. I mean, he, he gave me so much inspiration. Like, he inspired me to be a better person because he spoke, like, he was a leader in his industry, but he also was kind of like a motivational speaker. And he made me believe that I could be this person that I am now, but then he, it's his loss that he never got to see the end product. Amen. So the last message I've ever sent him, he read it. He never sent anything back was... August of 2019 and I said because we lived together and I sold a lot of things but I had a lot of antiques at his house I had a lot of my dad's things at his house that he finally I had to get a storage unit because he wouldn't bring them to me I said I owe you an apology I did not owe him a fucking apology but I said I owe you an apology I went and got my things from the storage unit today, and it was hard, but I owe you an apology. I can't find the words to say what I need and want to right now, 
but it's something to do with timing and me being in a dark and twisty place in my life when we met. But I can't seem to string all the words together, which is a first. But just know that I have loved you and I still love you with my whole entire heart. And I'm sorry for the hurt that I've caused and for everything. I know you will read this and won't respond or probably ever will. You usually don't these days. But thanks for bringing my things over and for showing me who I could really be. And I hope you're well and happy. That's the last thing I ever said. That's all the closure you need, though. But then I found out that he was with Miss Hooters. So I've been fine. You can't... Y'all, if you've seen me, you know I'm built like Spongebob. I have no... <laughs> I cannot compete with Miss Hooters. Sure you can. You, you're, you, have, you bring everything to the table with your... Your vulnerability and everything you brought to this show it just speaks to who you are and what more could, could someone ask for than that. And vulnerability so, takes a lot of courage. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Like, I feel myself hiding up talking about this because it's something, A, I've never talked about. I appreciate you sharing it on this show. For And first it's time. something I've been scared to talk about because even though this person hurt me so unbelievably bad that... I've been too afraid to talk about it because if they were to walk in this room right now, I don't know what I would do. And I think you and I have talked about that. Like, I had a nightmare about a month ago where you invited John and I to be <laughs> on a podcast. I remember. And I was like, y'all, I, I sent him a text message on my way to work. I was like, Ephraim, I had a nightmare. <laughs> he would, and you know what he said? He was like, but think of how many people you could teach. I said, I don't give a damn. <laughs> That sounds, that's a nightmare for me because I don't know what I would, I think I would lose myself. Yeah. And a part of me wants to believe that that's why he's never reached out. The greatest teachers, the greatest healers give the most. That's mm -hmm. what you are to so many people. Mm -hmm. You sacrifice so much so that other people can learn from your story and maybe involuntarily. But nonetheless, it's happened because you're one of the greatest teachers out here. Well, I'm so glad you guys can learn from my hurt. Because, I mean, this is two years later. Yeah. He, So he and I, our birthday, are, like our birthdays are literally six hours apart. Wow. And we had this amazing thing planned in Nashville. And because I had recently moved to the town that I'm in, his friends were also some of my friends from college, but they all were married, and they all hung out with him. So not only did I spend my birthday alone, but I lost every single one of my friends too. And if that's not a story of Trump, I don't know what is. Yeah. To look where you've come from. Here. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's taken a lot to get to this point because there were, if you listen to the first episode I was on, I didn't get out of bed for days. No. I mean, I had planned my life with this person. I had sold all my shit. I would moved in. For them to say that I was wifey material, but not girlfriend material. I, you know, so the way I would get over that is I'd harp upon that. Maybe. I would think about, I would just, every time I'd think about that person, I'd think about what they said. I promised myself I would party all through my 20s. Then you think, is that something that I want in my life? 
Does no. that fit into my spectrum of reality of where I'm going? Mm -hmm. And if not, every time that person came to my mind, I would replace that person with that thought until that thought dominates the person and all of a sudden you realize it never was a fit. Which is disappointing. Disappointing. And if and John, if you're listening to this, I just want you to know that you missed out, buddy. <laughs> because you not only pushed me to be this person, it didn't it wasn't the breakup that caused this. It catapulted it. But I was on my way. And you left when things got hard for me. And the thing is, is that things get hard before you get better and you chickened out. And I feel sorry for you for that. Because I know, you know, you know what, you might not listen, but I know your friends do. And I know your mom does. And your sister-in-law. I know that they listen. And I just want you all to know that I am so sorry for not only the pain that I caused, but you missed out. Because look where I am now. And I hate that for you. But I also thank you. Because if it weren't for that, I would not be exactly... I would be in this spot, but probably not right now. Yeah, it catapulted you to where you are. It completely catapulted me. It took me spending some time alone. But I guarantee you if he were to walk through these doors right now, I would, I would still hold the same mindset that I do now. I just might cry a little bit before. And that's okay. Your turn, Ephraim. Uh, we're running out of time. No, we're not. <laughs> we most certainly are we not. We are one hour and 23 seconds in. Ephraim, are you shitting me? Okay, okay. All right, we'll make this fast. Um, we'll make it fast because... <laughs> what, what am I talking I'm giving my story here? Right. Let's talk about the long distance one. Okay. So, um, I don't think this person listened. Actually, I don't know that because... Drop their handle, I'll send it. No, that's okay. <laughs> um, so, this is actually something I've never, ever talked about. Ever. Well, thank and, you. And I'm okay with it, but like, it's, it's something that I haven't discussed because it involves more people's lives than me and hers. And so, the way this started was... It was a it was the same way. It was a mutual um, friend. A mutual friend saying, "Hey, you need to meet this girl." Do you think that has more of an impact? Yes, of for sure. Mutual friend? Yeah, it's because because it's credit. It's credited right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, if someone validates their their authenticity, if you will, or their behavior or their um, character, then it you bypass two weeks of worth of time of trying to figure it out yourself. So, anyway, this person that we we went on a double date and it was great. It was fun. Uh, this, I guess, I gotta put a name to it. I'm just gonna go with um, Angela. I don't know why I'm picking Angela. Angela, nothing against you. So um, it's better than a Karen. <laughs> better than a Karen. Actually, no, I'm not gonna call her a Karen because she's not a Karen. Um, so this Angela person, we and and it was funny because the numbers were exchanged prior to the date. Was that like with a mutual friend? With the mutual by friend. the mutual friend. Yes, by the mutual friend. And she barely responded. And then we went on a first date together as double date and then everything just escalated from there. And she, I found out later, she went home and told her mom <laughs> the next morning. Oh no. 
There's more to the story. I'm just going to go into the story. So she ended up staying the night. No sex, by the way. No. She's okay, up, that's meaningful, though. She ended up staying the night, and we made the decision because we had been drinking that night. She had driven to, and then she didn't have way home. So she wasn't from here? No, no. She was uh, from a little south of town. I like downtown. Um, but anyway, um, are you recording this on your phone? So, You're welcome. Um, so she... We, she ended up staying the night because we had both been drinking. She didn't have way home because she had come with her other friend who went with her boyfriend at the time home. So we made the decision not to sleep, not to have sex. But we, and anyway, the next morning her phone rings. This is a funny part. Her phone rings. It's her mom. Where are you? Whose mom calls them? Mine doesn't even answer her phone. <laughs> and she, well, so it's, I guess it's important to say she had been to Europe for a year or whatever it was. <gasps> and then she was back home for, she was moving to New York, but she was back home for a few months in between. So she was staying with her parents. And so her mom was like, hey, where are you? And she's like, and she started to say something and she's like, never mind. Um, and she ended up making up the story and she hangs up and I'm laughing. And she's like, well, I, what am I going to tell her? I'm in the bed with this Amish guy. And so I was like, okay, that's, that's funny. And so that is hilarious though. Yeah. So, but I found out later, she went home and told her mom, she's like, this is the guy I'm going to marry. Oh my gosh. Uh, I told my mom the same thing. This is the first night. First night. Oh, first first night. First date. Oh my God. First date. And so, and that's kind of, and her mom looked me up and she was like, she really encouraged her to date and this and that. And so this went on for probably, I don't know, uh, actually she called me out because I, I, again, I'm a workaholic, I do this thing. And it was about month, month three, she was in um, one of the Bahamas or whatever, I don't even remember where it was, Turks and Caicos, wherever it was. Oh, and she, <laughs> she, she texted me and she was like, hey, just again, text me while she's on vacation with her parents. I oh, so she was with her family. Okay. Yeah, she's on vacation with her parents. She texts me and she said, what are we doing? And I said, um, what do you mean, what are we doing? Anyway, I don't remember the whole conversation, but she said, are you going to ask me to be your girlfriend or not? Because if you're not, I'm done. Good for her. And I'm like, shit, what do I do? And so, uh, and I realized that I, I thought about it, I like her, I don't want to lose her. So I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm like, will you be my girlfriend? And yeah, so anyway, that's, did you feel pressured? No, not because of the way she put it. She was like, either man up or don't, or either man up or I'm done. And I respect that. Yo, she had some balls. She had some balls. I, I love that. that. But I respect that. Mm -hmm. And she she knew how to handle me in that way, and so she knew how to get me over my insecurities of of not committing. And so we started dating. Her mom, at some point, I don't remember what month, this was several months later, studies the Amish people, realizes that her parents were very well-to-do, by the way. I'm talking about, I don't, I don't even need to get into that. But, so they had their shit together and they knew what they to do. They had their shit together. Her, her dad, I mean, I was invited to her parents' uh, through parties all the time. I was invited. Her dad loved me, like, whatever. We got along well. Her mom, one night, just studies the Amish people, sees that they don't, get education past the eighth grade. That's not true. No, it is true. I mean, 
well, technically, but you're literally one of the most intelligent people I know. Well, yeah, so when I went to school, we went, we go to one through eighth grade, but when I went to get my GED, I realized I had to learn all of that through eighth grade. So that basically, Amish people basically cram into through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I had not had done at that point was algebra, which I've never used since anyway. I, even in the healthcare sector, never don't, I never, I use Excel and I still use the calculator on my phone. Yeah. Yeah, same. So, anyway, her mom decides that, that I'm not good enough for her daughter. Tells her, her dad to call me and tell me to break it off. Her dad calls me. I get a phone call. He's like, hey. Wait, to clarify, the girl, like the girl you were seeing called her dad or no, the mom no, no, called her? mom. The mom told the dad to call The you. mom told the dad to call me and oh, they wow. had a talk with her and they're like, he's not good enough for you, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to, we're going to basically, you know, your dad's going to call him and tell him. <laughs> so never for, I'll never forget that call. He called me. I let him talk. He said, well, me and, and Karen in this point have decided that, that you and Angela are not good for each other. And I'm like, y'all decided that. Okay. I, that's literally what I said. Y'all decided that? Did you ask her? And did you ask Angela? He's like, yeah, we had to talk with her and we told her. And I was like, what did she say? And he said, well, it, that's irrelevant at this point. And so, um, so yeah, he pretty much told me, he said, you're not welcome at the house. And I said, where is this all coming from? He said, well, Karen, you know, looked up something. We just don't like that. You didn't, we think she should, you know, he literally named two colleges that they thought she should be dating. What? And so, and I'm like, I'm I'm battling with this because I'm like, this is a grown ass girl. Yeah. She's not 19. She's not 21. She can make her yeah, own she decisions. Yeah, she's been through college. She's been through Europe. She's she's has her career. Like, so, but anyway, I let him talk, and I just told him, I said, well, at the end of the day, it's between Angela and I. Good for you. And he hung up, and, and um, I texted her, and I was like, what was that? And she's like, let me, and she called me, and she was crying, and this and that. She's like, um, they won't let me, you know, basically because I'm here, they won't let me leave and she said but I'm leaving meet me at this park and so we went and uh, so that was where she was they had told her they're like we're cutting you from from our our will or if, if you don't break up with him we're cutting you from everything have they met you yet yes oh yeah I've been to their house to parties and they whatever. still did I went not- to dinner with them to, yeah it was strictly because of the education on paper on paper yeah oh my so, god so I, if Angel, if you're listening to this, tell your mom and dad to call me, and I will <laughs> no, frankly okay. tell them myself. I forgive it. I forgive them. Well, you can forgive them, but I'm offended for you. <laughs> so anyway, um, we we met at this park, and uh, I'll never forget. We sat at this picnic table, and we broke down every that. Uh, this was probably four months in, four or five months in, mm-hmm. and so we broke down. Every single thing, which is what I think every relationship should do in the beginning. We were like, what do you want? What do you want in 10 years? What do you want as a family? What do you want as a career? Where do you want to travel to? There's nothing that wasn't discussed. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we decided this is what we want. We want this because we're compatible in what we want out of life. And I think it's important to note that if you do have those conversations, it's okay if you change your mind. Yeah, it's okay. It's it's yeah. and it's okay if things change. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, that's what you want. In that moment, we we wanted we figured out. It is not that we agree on everything, but.
but we figured out that we agreed on more than what we did it and that it was mm-hmm. we didn't want to choose each other and so she left um saying you know she's basically going back into the hellhole and saying you know i didn't break up with him because that's what they're expecting well it's and, our decision yeah. so good for her so we knew at that point it was they were gonna boot her and so really so she went back home and her Karen threw a fork at her. Uh, yeah, fork. she was pretty mad. Karen, what, honey, what the fuck is a fork <laughs> gonna do? Yeah, so, um, and again, it, it's, it's, you know, it's everyone looking out for themselves in this. Yeah, I don't hold it's no what other people think is the yeah. best for yeah. you. And their daughter, and I don't fault them for it. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up moving in with me. And we lived together. I didn't know that. Yeah, we lived together. Uh, we had a lot of fun. She would cook a lot, and I made fun of her. And we uh, you can't be mom's that, cooking. I don't uh, care. <laughs> yeah, no, we we had. Uh, it was really good. It was it was to this day some of the best times of my life. Mm-hmm. And I ended up. I had committed to moving to Montana, and she had committed prior to even meeting me to moving to New York City. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, we're going to make this work. We are, we'll travel back and forth, uh, blah, blah, blah. I just wanted out of Nashville at the point. I wanted a break. And I was at a time and I sold the last company. I didn't know what I wanted to do career-wise. I had a great career opportunity in Montana, of all places, for some reason. And <laughs> so we, we ended up going to Montana. She moved to New York. I moved to Montana. She took a week, her first week, and because she had moved there a little before her job, she flew to Montana. And no, I'm sorry, she flew to Montana before she moved to New York for the week before. So, and right we before we, we spent we spent a week together in Montana. Uh, and again, I had beautiful. I had my own place. We went and we toured every place. We went hiking. We did everything together that week. And I have always said I've never seen her happier than she was that week. And she said, Look, I have my contract in New York, but when I'm done in New York, I want to come here. And we had, you know, we, we had set a place up and we were like, we, this is where we want to move. We looked at different places. This is where we want to live, blah, blah, blah. How long were you all together at this point? This was six, seven months, maybe eight months. In. I'm so not sure. there's a question I want to ask before we move forward. I know a lot of people place a time limit. Like you're not it has nothing to, to do with it. It has, honey. Absolutely nothing to do with my it. My ex told, John told me he loved me two weeks in and I moved in a month later. There's nothing, it it's, has, it's all about the if person. If it feels right and if yeah. it's with the right person, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Go on. So, so we, yeah, so she went to New, she flew back home. Um, there's, there's stuff that, that she cried all the way to the airport, 43 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we, we had a, we had a tough time with that, that separation there. She moved to New York. Her mom, her parents were not happy about all this, by the way. Um, her mom. Her mom went with her to New York. Uh, the day that I went to move to New York, I realized that she's with her mom. Um, we were trying to talk, but every time her mom would come in, it'd be like, okay, I'm getting off the phone because I don't want my mom yelling at me, blah, blah. Her parents thought at this point it was gonna take care of itself. And so we did that and, and it's just, you know, it was two months or so, I think of that or whatever it was. And we just, we tried to make it work. It was different times and it was the pressure of her parents. So really, it was had more to do with her parents than anything else. 
but it was just the pressure from parents all the time and this and that. So I say that to say, here we are, you know, I, I got out of that was, I just remember the one night she, she called and she was like, um, I just can't do this anymore. It's mm-hmm. so much pressure. And I get it, you know, she, she's a CPA, she's in New York City, she's working for the top CPA firm in the world. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and, and so, and I'm like, I get it, I get it. Like, you don't owe me anything, like whatever, it is, it is what it is. Just, just know, you know, I love you, whatever. And so, and we still kind of kept in touch for, actually for a couple months after that. And then it finally just, it just wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And so we finally just, um, I drove to New York. <laughs> you drove to New York from Nashville, Tennessee? Uh, <laughs> Even drove to New York one day. Um, and that, that was a big thing because. That I, is a fucking big thing. This That's was, a long way. Well, so so in the meantime, I'm I'm having a hard time in Montana. I, I'm a social person. Mm-hmm. Everything job was incredible. I come back to to Nashville. No idea where my life is going at this point. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I've sold everything I've had. I've sacrificed all the things. I did a business deal with the guy who took everything. So I was left starting at rock bottom, thinking, what am I going to do with it? And I remember one morning. Champions. Yeah, she texted me one night. She was like, "I really miss you." And I woke up the next morning, cold ass, dreary winter day, and I'm like, this is miserable, I don't even wanna be here today. <laughs> Had nothing to do that day, I got in my truck, it was eight o'clock in the morning, I drove to New York City, I got there at 10 p.m. that night. I knew where she lived, um, cause I had, uh, we had communicated some, and I had already sent her flowers a few times, and this and that mm-hmm. one, she had a hard day. Men, and, senior women flowers, it literally brightens their day. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I go there and it's a, it's a, uh, <laughs> gosh almighty, man, this brings back memories. Um, so I go there and they have, they're supposed to have a doorman. The doorman's gone for whatever reason in, in uh, Chelsea, New York City, Manhattan. And this guy walks in, I follow him in. And I go to the elevator and he's like, hey, what floor are you going to? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I don't remember. And I knock on the door and she freaks like, oh my god and i brought her all her favorite things whatever and she's like halfway crying halfway not whatever like i can't believe you're here this is crazy what the fuck blah blah blah. she's studying with another because uh, she's an associate at this point with this company and they're trying to figure out this thing she's studying with this her one of her teammates or whatever and this person like who's this person well, anyway she's like okay i'm like this is too much here's some things i got for you I hope your week goes better. I'm gonna leave. You left? And she's like, no, 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 don't. Like, just, I can't tonight because I've gotta finish this thing for tomorrow for work. But can you just find a hotel and stay for tomorrow night and I can grab drinks? And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. I grab a hotel. She texts me at midnight. It's like, I can't believe you do this. Now she's freaking out. Right for herself. It probably just hit her, yeah. Right for herself. Shrieking out, I, what, are you, what are we doing? Blah blah blah. I'm like, anyway, we're back and forth, back and forth. And she's, I'm like, I'm, I'm just, you know what? I'm just gonna leave. No, please don't leave. Like, just stay and then we'll figure it out. Um, anyway, at the end of it, I'm like, you have too much going on. This is not helping your life. This is not helping your career. I didn't think this through. I didn't realize the pressure that this would put on you with me coming, but I, I understand it. 
and, and I'm I'm walking around Manhattan, which I love, absolutely mm -hmm. a big lover of New York. I'm having, I love where I'm at. And so it's not even just about her. It's like I'm, I'm in a city. I get to experience this. Um, I go to bed in the hotel. I'm like, I can't sleep. So about 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, I'm going back home. <laughs> I text her, I'm going back home. Uh, sorry for the whatever. I'm going back home. I go back home and never speak to her since. Well, no, I take that back. So I drive home, literally drive that whole night, get home the next day. I don't remember what day. Uh, what time it was but I get home exhausted and I was like that was really kind of dumb of me to do that because I know in what spirit I meant to do it in but it realizing was with everything way. and I think it was but it wasn't and there was different emotions attached mm -hmm. to it and so yeah but the last um that I will say it's always it's always just I've always respected her so much because we distanced ourselves. She's found another relationship, good for her. I'm so happy for her. We still follow each other, whatever. Um, but she she reached out to me this year and was like, really? "I am so proud of you for what you're doing." Uh, one was a podcast. I know you've always wanted to do that, and yeah, and so I, you know, we we have that mutual respect for each other. I feel like well, at least you've but, reached that level. Yeah, yeah. So, but all that to be said, at the end of the day, I want her to be so happy, and mm -hmm. I, I hope she has that. I think she has that now with her relationship and her job. She fits New York. She's she's driven. She's incredible, incredible human being, and yeah, I think I think she's one of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life, to this wow. day. Yeah, and I would never take back anything that whether it was her parents, whether it was her. Because all of that led to where I am today, to me being here tonight, being able to say, I'm completely fulfilled in my life. Mm -hmm. With her, without her, with, without anyone else. And I that's have a everything huge that I need mm -hmm. right now. And so that's my story of the relationship, which I've never, by the way, shared with anyone. And we're 20 minutes over on the podcast. This better be the most highly reviewed highly ranked, highly streamed, highly downloaded podcast. But of all times. If Ephraim <laughs> and I have not been through some trauma tonight that we have relived. So we have shared now with you guys our most vulnerable states. So now all I ask of you is to follow AB on whether it's TikTok, Instagram, you are everywhere. <laughs> Twitter, Twitter, my Twitter, Instagram, Twitter, and it's TikTok. It's at AB. It's at it's ITS underscore AYEBEE. -E. Yeah. Uh, don't follow if you're easily offended, but you might need to have your feelings hurt. <laughs> no, follow her and mm -hmm. um, please review, rate the show. I appreciate it so much. Today has been so much fun. We have now done part one and two of this episode, which has been the most fun I've ever had on this podcast. That's just a lot. Andy. You've had a lot of episodes. Thank uh, you. We are, yeah, this is 26 and 27 now, I think. So, mm. so yes. Yeah, so, thanks for listening. Thanks for letting us be us. And thanks for letting us feel uh, comfortable to share with you our most vulnerable states. So, that's probably the most vulnerable you're ever going to hear me get on this show. Same. Can we go back to being hard asses now? Do you want to go? You want to go grab a steak and a bourbon? Uh, let's do it. Let's and do it. Maybe I can go back to interviewing other people and not having to share so many of my thoughts. <laughs> but thanks for having us, guys, and that's going to be the end of today.
Bye, y'all. Cheers. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.